I woke up in the morning and I was talking to my friends. They were so excited. And they're like, yeah, but who is worshiping in the woods all night? And they're like, what are you talking about? That's when they told me that this area in Moravian Falls had been prayer walked for 24 seven for a hundred years by these Moravians. For 20 years, she regretted having sold that. She passes away, we pray upon the land, it comes back to us. The music that I had been hearing, the angelic voices, whether they were literally angels or some kind of echo from the past, was the land that my ancestors had prayer walked for over a hundred years. Hi, I'm Barbara. And I'm Hope. And we, we are, are the Heritage, Heritage Hunters. Hunters. Each month, we will bring you real stories from real people researching their genealogy and family history to inspire you on your genealogical journey. Hi, this is Deanna Falchuk, and I am a history vlogger and a fan of genealogy and uh, an owner of an ancestral 160-year-old home. As far as genealogy, it was my mom who, as she was retiring, really dove deep into our genealogy. Back in the day when you had to go to Salt Lake City and do all the stuff, she followed my genealogy from my dad's side, who she had divorced years prior. <laughs> As she started to get older, out of all of her daughters, she knew that I was pretty much the one that was always asking questions about it. But I wouldn't say that I was as deep into it back then as I was after she passed. She had studied all of this genealogy and, and I was living in North Carolina. And this is back in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. She would always say to me, you have some family. There's some cemeteries and there's some graves there. I was in Raleigh, Durham, and that's nice, but I didn't really track it down. My mom was fascinated by it. I hadn't done anything about it. I started to go to these prayer retreats and I was in Raleigh, but my girlfriends were like, let's go to Moravian Falls in North Carolina, which it's around Winston-Salem. The first time I went, I'd flown back from doing this gig at the Plaza Hotel, got in my car, drove up to Winston, uh, Moravian Falls at night, came across this huge cabin. It was almost midnight. They had all gone to sleep. And I walked up to my room. I know nothing about Moravian Falls. I go to sleep at night and I hear in the woods what I think are people worshiping all night. There's this person dancing on the porch outside of my room, but I'm like, they're so rude, but I want to see what they're doing. I got up onto the porch and it, it was pitch dark, even though it had been bright a few minutes ago. I kept hearing the singing all night. I woke up in the morning and I was talking to my friends. They were so excited. And they're like, yeah, but who is worshiping in the woods all night? And they're like, what are you talking about? That's when they told me that this area in Moravian Falls had been prayer walked for 24 seven for a hundred years by these Moravians. The Moravians came from Germany they followed this religion that was Protestant after this guy Zinzendorf. 
in Germany and they had to escape Germany because of persecution. So they had made some kind of deal to come over here. Once the British were going to come over, they would with them in the 1700s, but they all knew that they were just going to get their own land. All of these people very much into praying. Nicholas von Zinzendorf was a German religious and social reformer. He was Bishop of the Moravian Church. He often persecuted refugees from what is now the Czech Republic asylum on his estate in Bethelsdorf, Saxony, Germany. In 1741, Zinzendorf founded a mission to Pennsylvania. It was established on Christmas Eve and called Bethlehem. They ministered to the local Lenape indigenous people. The Moravian Church believes Christianity is a religion of the heart. The spirit of the Moravian Church embraces five characteristics, simplicity, happiness, unintrusiveness, fellowship, and the ideal of service. I was like, that's pretty cool. I kept going back there several times, almost every single year. It was always this supernatural experience. Fast forward to 2019, my mother had passed away. When my mom passed away, she had a form of, de of dementia. During that time, there was a house that my family had really loved in the Midwest, which was her great-grandparents' house. When she died, I had this vision of her in this house. She passes away in Georgia, but she thinks she's in Illinois. We go to the land of her forefathers. The house had been sold for 20 years, even though the family had it for 100 years, and it was a 160-year-old home. I just prayed in front of it, and I was like, Thank you, God, for this land and for the land of our forefathers. Two weeks later, that house became available. And I just kept seeing these angelic dreams and stuff. It was just bizarre. And so I bought the house. It took a long time, but I bought this much to the shock of all of my family members because it was a huge leap. I just felt like my mother got this history. This was her dream home that she had to sell because her aunts and uncles had all passed away. She had to take care of them. They were living in the house and they forced the situation for them to sell it in order to pay for their nursing home and all that. For 20 years, she regretted having sold that. She passes away. We pray upon the land. It comes back to us. I start making videos of the house because I think it's interesting. I make these videos about ancestry, how I got the house, all of the stuff. It's called Hot for History. Then I have another trip coming up to Moravian Falls. <laughs> I'm in a cabin in Moravian Falls. I decide that I want to go down the mountain because by then I started to research Moravians. When I researched the Moravians, I've been having these supernatural experiences. I have a supernatural experience. It's real. I never knew about the angels in the woods, about angelic encounters or anything like that till I personally had them. My mother passes away and I'm about to go to Moravian Falls and I just have an instinct. She always said I had family in North Carolina. I'd like to see some of those graves. I found out that they were the Moravian. The music that I had been hearing, the angelic voices, whether they were literally angels or some kind of echo from the past, was the land that my ancestors had prayer walked for over a hundred years and that was my land. And so 
I researched my great grandfather, like six, seven times removed. His name is Martin Walk. This is in the 1700s. I start researching about Martin Walk and the Moravians. They were these amazing people that had to establish the land. They had to fight off during the Revolutionary War, the British. And then they also helped with the Trail of Tears with the Cherokee. At that point, I was like, I wonder where Martin Walk is buried. And so I found his father, Abraham Walk, in another place. Then I was like, you know what? I found it. It was in this place called God's Acre outside of Winston-Salem, which was just down the mountain from Arabian Falls. I don't like driving in the mountains too late at night. So I wanted to go down to the cemetery and try to find him. So I drive down, but I'm starting to see the sun go and I don't want to be down there too long. I show up at this cemetery <laughs> and I look and all the graves are flat. They're in the ground and there's no rhyme and reason because the Moravians have what they call these choirs of people, which means that they would pair families together based on their age. So the men would be buried at one part. Then there was this woman, Karen, and her husband, Eddie, they're walking and I thought it was surreal. And she's, hi, how are you? I'm like, hi, I'm fine. I'm looking for my grandfather. <laughs> Couldn't find him anywhere. So she's like, you want me to help you? I'm like, I don't want you to help me because it's going to be really a big job. His name's Martin Walk. And so she goes, Eddie, his great grandfather, he's over there. She goes, we go to this church. She goes, I was raised Methodist, but and I go to the Methodist church. She goes, since I married him, we go to the Moravian church. So all my family's over in the other place. Her entire family's over there with the Methodists. And she just married into this family. They've been married a long time. So Karen and Eddie decide they want to take on this project and go looking for the grave of Martin Waugh. She finds it right away. It's like a needle in a haystack. Eddie runs over there. They're starting to take ownership of the cemetery because they're part of the Moravian church. He was born in the 1700s. The family members would come by and the graves had grass around. So they start pulling it. We're going to talk to the elders about cleaning these graves better. I had taken a prayer rock from Moravian Mountain. From, they call it, I think it's called Prayer Mountain. And I took it and I prayed over Martin Walk. And I just stood there for a while, had my moment. And then I got Karen and Eddie's number. We exchanged numbers. I was like, gotta go. Thank you for helping me. That was a miracle to find his grave. The big miracle was that Karen calls me. If I could see her, her face would have been white. She goes, Deanna, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. I was like, what? She goes, you know what my maiden name was? I was like, no. She goes, Gladfelter. I was like, okay. She goes, one of Martin Walk's daughters, you know what her name was when she got married? She goes, Deanna, we're cousins. Now, some people can say it's not such a coincidence because they were just there, but no. So then she starts to tell me the genealogy of all these people. She's married to this guy her entire adult life, doesn't know she has any Moravian history. She discovers because some woman comes down from the mountain wanting to put a rock <laughs> on an old grave. If you know anything about old Germans, on both sides of my family, there's diaries. My great-grandfather and Eddie's. They helped to build that church that was across the street. <laughs> so those men who are buried in the cemetery together, their grandchildren end up getting married, have, having children. It was just so like the ancestry thing. My mother telling me this, me coming back, making a video. I met, I ran into my cousin. It's like my mother passed away. And when she passed away, there was some kind of mantle or something or depth of 
and ancestral love and connection that I did have before, but it was like more intensified after the fact. And there's like more and more manifestations of an evidence of the fact that it's all real. That is the story of basically how I loved genealogy. I have been blessed to have it well-documented because of my mother's hard work. But at the same time, it's still continuing on. When we're researching, we're really in tune to our ancestors. I do believe they guide us along and, and help us. One of my own experiences with that was there was one time I was working on my ex-husband's family and I had some time to kill before I had to pick the kids up. So I went to a, a rather large cemetery that's local here where I knew that some of his relatives were. And I was thinking, how am I going to find where they are? It's, do you know, when I pulled into that cemetery, I managed to park right next to where they were. I love cemeteries. I love the story about the woman who helped you find Martin. Turns out to be related to you. I mean, what a small world. I'm going to come back on at some point. I have a great uncle that has been missing since he was 18 years old. He jumped on a train and we're trying to figure out where he went to. And well, we can't find him. We look forward to it. Since the 1950s, the original gravestone of Johannes Falk had been missing from the Friedberg Moravian Church near Winston-Salem, North Carolina. But in 2014, the 254-year-old marker was returned. The stone had been found in Culpeper, Virginia, just over 200 miles away. Johannes Falk was born March 4, 1769, and died November 13, 1769. He was the son of Martin Falk and Elizabeth Fiscus. The church does not know when the stone originally disappeared, but in 1951, trustees replaced some missing children's gravestones. The stone was placed briefly at his grave, but is now on display with other church artifacts. for joining us today on Heritage Hunters. This has been a CNC production recorded and mixed by me, Barbara May. We would like to thank our guests for sharing their genealogical experiences and personal stories. Be sure to visit us on our webpage, heritage-hunters.com, and our many social media pages such as Facebook, Twitter, Locals, and more. Please leave us a review, like our page, and follow us to be sure to never miss our show. If you'd like to be on the show or have an idea for an upcoming episode, please email us at 2heritage.hunters at gmail.com. And that's the number 2, heritage.hunters at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Remember to like and subscribe to our podcast. We hope you'll join us next month on Heritage Hunters. This has been a CNC production.